Listening to the OmniTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, Trigo, Sezzle, and Silk. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is a podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week. Yeah, we do. Today is February 16th, 2023. I don't know what Chris is on, but I'm your host, Ann Mazenga. I'm high on life, Ann. I'm oh Chris God. Walton. We are here once again to discuss all the headlines making waves in the world of omni-channel retailing. And for a special treat, yes. maybe that's why you're so lucky. Yes, it's my favorite show. That's, it was Nelly that was getting you like bouncing around yeah, like an well, odd yeah, he person. Still will. Uh, but today, joining us are two members of the Alvarez Marcel Consumer and Retail Group, Chad Lusk, and for her debut, Joanna Rangarajan. Welcome to you both. Joanna, this is your first time. How are you feeling about this one? I am high on life, like... Oh my God. That, like that's my awesome. Here so, she, she's feeding yeah, me, and She's yes, feeding yes, me energy yes. with that. It's good to have exactly. you, Joanna. Did you get advice from your fellow A&Mers on how to handle today? I I was told crush it. So crush it. I think oh. I think that was great advice. That yeah. was good. That well, was good. Exactly. You're, well, you're in good company because if memory serves, Chad Lusk has the single best answer in the history of this show. Chad, how are you doing today? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm I'm great with that intro, uh, and also kind of being compared to the excitement level of Nelly. You know, I like it's I mean, a great start. Chad, it it's it goes it goes Nelly down here, you up here for sure, for sure. Our audience agrees. Um, Got to go with the Lusker. Yeah, the, the Lusker. I don't. Yeah. You didn't get permission to. Call oh, I that. did. Yeah, I, I think that's I'm sure a, that's not the first time Chad's heard I that in his life. Ask permission first, kind of name. <laughs> Um, but quickly for the audience, Joanna, will you tell them a little bit about you and your background at AM? Absolutely. I'm uh, one of our managing directors at CRG, and uh, I focus uh, predominantly on our product offerings, specifically in product development and sourcing for apparel, accessories, and footwear. Um, and I started my career in consulting and then spent a, a chunk of time in the industry uh, in leadership roles at a couple of large branded retailers. And then I've been with CRG for the last two years now. Excellent. And Chad, if it's okay, if we call you Lusker, um, would you give us the little... Lusker and, oh God, uh, would you give the audience a little reminder of you and your role at a and I'll, I'll, I'll allow the Lusker for the rest of the, uh, the episode. How about that? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm so not like, happy about it. Not happy about it. Like, uh, like Joanna, uh, partner managing director with, with the firm been here about two and a half years, uh, prior to joining A&M, I was an operator and senior executive in industry, uh, multi-time chief strategy officer, chief marketing officer across CPG and retail. Um, so led some major change, change transformations for uh, organizations, now doing it for our clients. Uh, I work mostly at the intersection of CPG and growth, marketing, and commercial strategy. Amazing. Awesome. Well, I imagine loyal OmniTalk listeners know you very well at this yes. point. It's great to have both of you here. Now, I think we should get to it. Uh, let's do it, Chris. But before we get to it, before we get to today's headlines, just, that was another tease. I know, and so I know that's just I'm just high on life, like I said. Mm. And I want to read you a list. Okay. And I want you to tell me what it's you think. This be when list you told me to close my eyes. Yeah, you don't need to close your eyes today because okay. that doesn't really work for a podcast. But <laughs> I want you to tell me what you think this following list all has in common. Mm. All right, you ready? Okay. I'm going to read it really I'm quickly. Ready. 
Target, Best Buy, Colgate, Palmolive, Nike, PepsiCo, Nordstrom, Costco, Chewy, General Mills, Rite Aid, Adobe, Salesforce, Mondelez, Procter & Gamble, Tyson Foods, Macy's, Amazon, and Walmart. Oh my God. What do you think? Uh, first thing comes like they're all fortune 500 businesses. I don't know. Yes. And, uh, they're, they are all in the retail and CPG industry. Yes. And they're all going to shop talk. Yes, they are. Oh along with God. several thousand other top-notch retailers I and see. brands and tech companies. And you can actually meet with any of them or any attendee you'd like by, by participating in shop talks meetup program. There will be more than 50,000 on-site meetings happening between retailers, brands, tech startups, media, and more. Tickets are available until March 3rd. Get yours at shoptalk.com slash US slash Omnitalk. That's shoptalk.com slash US slash Omnitalk. Yes, Anne. I think we have to sign up for those meetings like next week or something. They start the process. So yeah, you want to got to get your tickets now, folks. All right. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on UPS and RFID. Lidl making some bold statements. Lidl, yes, Lidl, thank you. Lidl, Lidl. I had to practice my German for this. Yeah, Lidl laser hosen. Okay, yeah. Lidl making some bold statements about how much meat it plans to sell in the years ahead. Very bold. The latest updates to FitMatch's technology. Wegmans going from scan and go to smart carts. But we begin today with news out of Walmart and. Oh, yes, we do. Headline number one, Chris, according to a memo obtained by the Wall Street Journal, Walmart plans to close three of its 11 U.S. technology hubs and require hundreds of workers to relocate to keep their jobs. Walmart plans to close offices in Austin, Texas, Carlsbad, California, and Portland, Oregon. Uh, yes, they have that Who many, knew? that many Carlsbad showing up. Uh, Walmart says that it will pay for workers in those locations to transfer to other primary offices, such as San Bruno, California, or the company's headquarters in Bentonville, Arkansas, should they desire to do so. In addition, the Wall Street Journal is also reporting that Suresh Kumar, Walmart's chief technology officer, also said in the memo that most of Walmart's global technology workers will need to be in their assigned office at least two days a week end quote. Uh, Chad, we're going to go to you first on this one. I have to know, like, what do you think is the bigger part of this headline? Walmart closing 11, some of 11 of their tech hub offices, or that Walmart is requiring tech workers to be in the office two days a week? So uh, for me, this is like a layoff announcement. That's not technically a layoff announcement, mm, huh. but it's a layoff announcement. Right. right? So Closing offices, forced relocations, like there's clearly an expectation of a reduced workforce. Hmm. So for me, I think the bigger part kind of goes back and, and, you know, let me focus a minute on kind of this being another domino drop because it is centered on Walmart's tech centers around what's happening in the broader tech sector. Sure. Um, but I say that uh, and, and at the risk of sounding insensitive, which is not my intention at all here. I think the re the recent layoff news in tech is far overhyped. Um, mm -hmm. So actually, I can't take credit for this, right? So Scott Galloway actually put out an article within the last week that puts numbers to this. Mm -hmm. So some of the tech companies that are gathering the layoff headlines, I'm going to re mm -hmm. read a couple off here. So Meta has announced 11,000 layoffs. Yep. They added 42,000 headcount during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, Google reduced 12,000. They, they had added 68,000. Microsoft down 10,000, they were up 77,000. And Amazon, trouble at Amazon because they laid off 18,000. They had added 746,000 headcount during the pandemic. Dang. So Unreal. the question for me is Chad like, it again. 
mm-hmm. that, you know, since, since they're reducing a fraction of what they added, like where are these companies now pulling back? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think about this kind of pandemic environment, right? Kind of free cash environment, uncertain future. You know, my bet is they were experimentation rich. Um, and in yep. this environment, there's pullback on those experiments, which they found mm-hmm. that aren't moving the needle. Mm-hmm. So perhaps acting a little bit more like a traditional company means calling time of death on some experiments a little sooner and sure. not delving into as many crazy adjacencies. And so this is not the death of the tech sector. And me, Walmart's participation announcement here is no different and it follows suit. I, I love that. Uh, Joanna, yeah. I, what do you think about this? And especially, I think, you know, th- I think there's this idea of return to work is a hot topic for a lot of, of people, not just in the retail industry, but um, in the tech sectors and, and other sectors as well. But what are you advising clients to do? I imagine you have clients who are asking you these types of things, maybe, maybe not, but h- what are your thoughts here as it relates to this Walmart story? Yeah, I think a lot of our our clients, certainly in the in the retail space, are are wrestling with it, and they've been trying different models, right? Hybrid, but then hybrid by self selection versus by mandate, mm-hmm. um, and then also, you know, what is the right balance if I'm going to ask uh, associates of mine to be in the office? How many days does right. it vary by function? You know, there are a lot mm-hmm. of variables here, and yeah. so I think what the pandemic taught a lot of us is that. Um, there are definitely functions that can be equally productive regardless of location. Right. And so I think what our clients are really trying to address is, you know, accommodating those functions in a way that's cost effective. Right. Um, and if that means they need less space because those team members can be remote and without a productivity loss and, and all that, then then that makes a lot of sense. And as we start reining in costs, um, that is that is a helpful line item. The idea that we're going to then mandate people, and a lot of organizations have been mandating five days a week, four days a week. Um, you know, it feels a little arbitrary if it's a blanket and not mm-hmm. you know, functionally specific requirement um, mm-hmm. from from our perspective. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially when you th- you know probably doesn't seem fair mm-hmm. to. Some of the employees, if or and I think it's important to point out that you know it doesn't make sense to make a mandate across the entire company that people are going to all be in there. But Chris, what are your thoughts here? I mean, you ran teams at Target. Like, how yeah. do you feel about in person versus work from home hybrid and yeah. this Walmart story? I think there's two sides of the story, and I agree with what both Chad and Joanna said. I mean, I think to me the 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 stark thing for me first of all was 11 tech hubs in the U.S. is too many. Yeah. Like. You don't need one in Carlsbad. You don't need one in Portland. When you already have one in San Bruno, you probably have a decent one in Bentonville. You probably have one, I'm guessing, down in Texas too. Since and that's seemingly open. I don't know for sure, but you know, whatever. Yeah. The the more important part to me is is the is the force back to work two days a week. I would have held on that move mm-hmm. because you're not getting economies of scale in the layoff. Like, you know, by shrinking, but the workforce being so remote now, you take them out of the equation. Like yeah. you're not necessarily needing those people to relocate. Right. And you're also going to probably lead to more more turnover down the line from your other employees at those existing still remaining eight tech hubs. Mm-hmm. So that's the part of this that I don't quite understand. But Chad, what do you think? Yeah. So building on the whole work from home or office piece, I, I agree with what with, with you guys are saying. I, I think the environment that you create in the office matters a lot. So force mm-hmm. mandates around days and physical time just for everyone to go behind their glass office doors and sit and, you know, kind of work independently doesn't really make a difference or the other way with these kind of like forced 
open collaborative areas where you're forcing people to work independently around each other and then you're just talking over each other on our calls like how do you make the time in office actually productive because i think mm -hmm. we have seen through the pandemic that yes we can operate independently we also are better together mm -hmm. but kind of fit for purpose and the other side of it is that um you know it's real it, it's easier to maintain relationships that you already had in a remote environment, but it's really hard to build new ones. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to build trust and new working relationships. And we see that across clients of ours that are fragmented, or especially around like new executive teams mm -hmm. that are scattered across the country that have never taken the time to actually be live in person and you know create, if you're gonna be in office, do it fit for purpose and uh, you know kind of in the right way that makes you more productive. Great. Yeah. And I think that makes sense too. When you start to think about consolidating the hubs, like it makes more sense to have like in-person, like whiteboard sessions or strategy or planning sessions too. Once, you know, yeah. once you, you have fewer places to be doing right. those in than 11. Right. Right. All right. Let's keep rolling now. Headline number two, UPS said last week that it plans to take its smart package RFID project nationwide. According to Supply Chain Dive, the initiative had been in operation in 100 UPS facilities, and it involves pricing R placing, excuse me, placing RFID tags on packages and wearable devices on employees to eliminate manual scans, reduce misloads, and accelerate parcel throughput in the delivery giant's warehouses. The company now says that it will invest $140 million in the initiative wow. in 2023. I know that's a lot as it rolls out the technology at its remaining 940 U.S. buildings. One other fun fact. Fun. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Hold on to your seat, Ed. Oh, oh my God. UPS what happens in that know, UPS facility? Right? Waiting with bated breath, aren't you? UPS hopes this implementation will reduce the frequency of misloading the wrong packages onto trucks from one in 400 to one in 800 and says that 50 of its buildings are already operating at a rate of one in 1,000. Whoa. Shocker. Joanna, we talk a lot about RFID on this show. How important is this move? So I, the last time I was with you, I talked about RFID. I was a big, you know, big champion, big believer in it. I felt a little less jazzed about, about this headline purely wow. for, you know, a few, a few reasons. I think it's great for UBS. I think it, it makes sense for, you know, their operations. I understand what they're trying to do from an efficiency perspective. Um, what wasn't clear to me is, you know, exactly how um, the KPIs that they're looking to offset, you know, the misload count, for example, mm -hmm. how they're, you know, what is the cost leakage of, you know, where they currently are that this is going to somehow regain that warrants mm -hmm. the, you know, hundreds of millions in investment. Um, but also what is the customer benefit of it? You know, as, as the recipient of many a UPS package and parcel, you know, what am I seeing as a result of it, um, in terms of, you know, really improved service because the one in 400 is, you know, what is that a quarter of a, of a percent of the time? Right. Um, so, you know, I, I was a little less jazzed, um, when I read it that way. Now, all that having been said, I chose to read it maybe as a means to actually go after it from an ESG perspective and mm, thinking about, you know, the misloads when you extrapolate that out across all their packages and kind of annually, that's going to be, you know, well over 5 million parcels that are sort of in circuitous routes, if you will, which is 
which is then, you know, adding to, you know, CO2 emissions and given some of their, their goals that they have around um, being carbon neutral and, and carbon offsets between 2025 and then 2050, maybe this will help them um, in that. But if that's where they were headed, I was surprised they weren't, you know, more explicit about it. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, no, we remember the conversation we had with you last time, and that is specifically why we picked this headline. So yeah. <laughs> that's it. the interesting point. Thank you. And what do you think, though? So I, I I think I love Joanna's point because I had not mm-hmm. thought about what the consumer end of this looks like. But I think what's really important here for me is that there's a huge advantage for the employees at UPS. Like this is all yep. about improving the lives of your staff to then therefore hopefully improve the lives of the customers. And I think just the efficiency of the business there, this process is eliminating 20 million manual scans daily. Like that's a per huge day. per day. That's a lot. And so, and I love, and it's hands-free, it's safer for the workers. They don't have to be holding a gun and, you know, and trying to shuffle packages back and forth. But I think most importantly for me, it just, it like solidifies that RFID is just another one of those technologies that is worth the investment because there's so many buildable features that will continue to be added to this, Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, they'll continue to see benefits, whether it's for the employee, for the end customer, for efficiency of processes going forward. It's a great point. You can know exactly what's in that truck with a good scan and what should be there and what shouldn't be there in like seconds. You need to scan pretty soon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, what do you think here? Yeah, I mean, you got the expert breakdown from from Joanna there. Uh, you know, I, I I think no matter how you skin this, I think it's all a net good. You know, I, mm-hmm. I being That's part true. of part of a couple of CPGs and and living in these you know big warehouse environments and watching this on the front line and you know the scanners all around. I mean, anytime you're introducing technology to reduce errors, improve service levels, reduce costs, you know, either for either the consumer in me or the marketer in me who just wants the product to get where it needs to be, mm-hmm. right? Right time, right place. I'm I'm happy. So I applaud it. Yeah. If I geek out on this for a second, if you allow me like 30 seconds to geek out on this, like I, I love this headline because I think it shows another example of RFID being a technology that has so many like virtuous use cases. Mm-hmm. And we're just starting to ex- understand what those are. And like Coming out of NRF, there was now connection points with point of sale to help with the inventory accuracy and the leakage at checkout. Like, I think that's important. But even I remember back to our target days, like looking at like RFID and trying to figure out like, how could I just understand where all my goods are placed right. in a store? Right. Like on the X, Y axis. Now I know I can't get Z for those geeks out there that are listening. <laughs> I know I can't get the Z coordinates, but I right. know I could get X, Y. And like just having that ability to understand as a store manager where my goods are correctly yeah. positioned. Are they in the building? Yeah. Are they in the building? Are they correctly positioned and giving me the exceptions to manage that? Now, that's not what this is about, but that's where this could ultimately go, which is why we've hammered RFID so much. Mm-hmm. And it's and the points you brought up, Anne, I think are great because yes, that can happen. And there's a lot of operational efficiencies that can be gained there. And they're investing $140 million in this. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. So they've got to find, they've got to believe that the cost value is there. Um, All right. Well, let's go to headline number three. German discount supermarket chain Lidl has revealed plans to pursue a more sustainable business strategy with a focus on reducing the number of animal-based products in its offering and increasing its range of vegetable proteins by 2025. 
According to the Vegconomist. Vegconomist. Yes. Vegconomist. First time appearance. On the I know. Show. I don't even know. I was like, do you, is it like Vega economist? Are they trying to like go with that anyway? <laughs> yeah. It seems like you could have come up with something a little According better. According <laughs> to the Vegconomist, Christoph Graf, chief buyer for the hundred million dollar, hundred billion, billion turnover retail giant, told the trade magazine, that he wants to replace more animal proteins with plant-based alternatives. Said Graf, there is, quote, no alternative to this step, that as a human species, we must live within the boundaries of the planet and that this can only be achieved with fewer animal products, end quote. Um, Chad, I gotta, I gotta see what your opinion is here on this, especially, you know, coming from a background, working from working with CPGs, like hostess and like pounding those super sweet, wonderful treats into stores. Like, how do you feel about a store just saying like, this is our stance. We're gonna, we're gonna just focus hundred percent on, on non-animal proteins. Uh, you may be surprised by my answer actually. Ooh. Um, so I, I thought this was actually really cool to see. And, and I don't mind saying like I got Patagonia like goosebumps when I read it. Really? Like, oh my yeah, wow. you know, I, the, the language is pretty strong. You know, yes. the chief buyer, I mean, your, your quotes, right. And I yeah. mean, like, they're not leading with consumer trends, taste preferences, rise of plant-based meats, et cetera, et cetera. Like, He's talking about an obligation that companies have to pursue more sustainable approaches, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what was it? Uh, I wrote it down. It's without alternative because there is no second planet. Like that's a mm -hmm. company that knows what it stands for. Mm -hmm. And right. Lidl in particular has backed this up for a decade or so. Right. Across a series of sustainability initiatives, both externally and internally facing. So actually one of our, one of our CRGers uh, who you've spoken with, John Clear yeah. before, he's a former Lidl merchant speaks of it firsthand. Um, so, you know, I, I, so I appreciate that kind of commitment to it. Now that said, that said, uh, surprise, there is a business and profit angle to this too. Um, so we've actually been seeing more data emerging out there that consumers are voting with their wallets on ESG yes. and sustainable products, you know, animal welfare and, and plant-based products are, are part of that in addition to other elements of sustainability. So I think we can stop just kind of ignoring millennials and Gen Zs right. just talking about how much they care. Like the dollars are following it and growth mm -hmm. rates are higher for products with these right. claims. Don't get me wrong. Like there is still a gap between those who say it's important in actual purchase behavior, mm -hmm. but that gap is closing. So yeah, overall for Lidl in particular, uh, given this has been a, a decade long, you know, trend for them. I think it's a great example of a profit driving initiative aligning with a company mission. Wow. That, that yeah. is a little surprising Chad. I, I was not expecting that response from you, but I think, I mean, Patagonia level goose pumps don't come, uh, don't come every day. Joanna, you are, you brought ESG in right away into this. Like, what are your thoughts there? Are you, do you agree with what Chad was saying? I do agree uh, with what Chad is saying about, you know, it's a company with a mission and a passion. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, when we think about their uh, private label that they launched a couple years ago, supporting 
uh, the plant-based items. I think they had an assortment of, you know, four or 500 different products under a single label. You know, they were very committed and it's a climate neutral brand. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, they're, they're definitely pursuing this and they mean it. Um, you know, there's been a lot of growth in, in the plant-based market. It's also heavily saturated with brands. And so what they didn't highlight in this announcement is whether or not this expansion is coming solely through the private label they've been right, offering, right. or if they're going to be adding other brands to it, where you may end up with a scenario where, uh, you know, some of their customers might be slightly confused as they learn, you know, some new, some new labels, for example, but if they keep it under theirs, um, you know, I think there's kind of a, a little bit of an equation to ask, you know, is it really climate neutral if you add all this and you're shipping it all around right. as opposed to, you know, having a particular market that has, you know, some locally sourced animal products in it, you know, where's, where's the environmental benefit there, but, you know, the flexitarian market's real. Right. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has, you know, just an exclusive plant based diet. And so, you know, continuing to expand those offerings we're seeing in fast food, you know, up until I think it was last week, Chick-fil-A had their announcement about, yeah, right. uh, you know, their cauliflower sandwich. So, yeah. you know, we're seeing we're just continuing to see it. It's here. It's staying. You know, I think they're committed. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, uh, that, is this, is this, yeah. is this happening in the European market? And like, yes, uh, we have Chick-fil-A. Is it yeah. going to, is this, do you expect like Kroger to start going forward with this in initiative? No, I don't. I think, I think, do you, I think that's the point. That's where the jaded side of me looks at this really differently. Like I think Lytle's way out in front of this, making a statement like this. I think that's partly because of where they are, mm -hmm. but you know, from my experience and Chad, you, you both alluded to this really like, the supermarket shelves shape themselves based on what the consumer wants. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately that's what's going to happen. And so in the US, I don't see a, a a mass grocer ever making a statement like this. They'll just follow the trends. They'll adopt the shelf space, adapt the shelf space over time. It's way too risky to go out and make a bold statement like this if you're a US retailer. And so I think a little bit is there's a part of me that's like, are they just taking credit for something that's already happening, which is the point that Chad brings up, which is why it... I, doesn't give me the goosebumps that say Patagonia did. Well, like, would you compare you this? Think, I was trying to think of like the early days of Whole Foods where it was like, that was, that was still like in co-op land, you know, it was like you had your very specific segment that was only shopping organic. And now look at, I mean, Whole Foods is now owned by Amazon. It's so much more prevalent. Mm -hmm. We're shopping or more people are shopping mm -hmm. organic, but that took 20 years in the US. Like yeah. it took so long yeah. to happen. So I, I agree. I tend to agree. I think this might be something that you know, like sustainability metrics in general is much more prominent in, in Europe and the UK and those regions of the world before we start to get there. I mean, can you US. imagine the people of Kroger's like, we're going to stop selling meat? Like oh, people would go ape. We thought like, it was bad that like yeah. people were shooting down Walmart drones. I think we might right. have some serious yeah. challenges. And, and, Chad, and, final and, word. No, I mean, and, and to be clear, right? I mean, my point is that this is right for Lidl right. Um, in order to capture that portion of the market. Yes. I also don't foresee it going into mass, you know, Kroger, you know, US based because I don't think that segment of the population is large enough to have a total shelf takeover across grocery. Yeah, which is interesting because partly, partly the reason if we tell the audience how the sausage is made, we got asked about this headline because we're keynoting... Um, the NCA, the National Confectioners Association's conference here in a few weeks. And they were asking us about this headline and they were asking like, where does it stop? Does it stop with meat? Does it stop with, you know, corn sweet syrup treats, based. corn syrup yeah. treats? And 
So there's a lot of offshoots of this that we'll have to keep an eye on as we go forward. But before we get to headline number four, we got to take a second to tell- the Omnitalk Conference Minute. Nicely done. I wasn't expecting that. All right. We're going to tell you about Home Delivery World. Home Delivery World is the largest free supply chain and retail logistics conference and expo this June 14th and 15th in Philadelphia. It is free to it is a free to attend expo hosting over 350 exhibitors showcasing cutting edge retail logistics solutions with 7,000 plus attendees. That's 7, insane. 000. I didn't know it was that many people. Come with us to Philly. People. Yeah, we're gonna be there. You can sign up today at terrapin.com slash home delivery world. That's T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N-N dot com slash home delivery world. All right, headline number four. According to TechCrunch. I can't wait to do this headline, Ann. Shoppers at Rihanna's lingerie brand, Savage by Fenty, may soon find it even easier than ever to find products that fit their measurements through its newly enhanced partnership with FitMatch. Loyal Omnitalk fans will remember the daring video you and- it daring? Dare, it was very daring, very bold. I wouldn't have done it. Shot, <laughs> shot of FitMatch's tech in the Savage by Fenty store in Las Vegas last year, where she had store employees scan her body yeah. with a mobile device. But now, and no mobile device is required. Oh, no. Shoppers who opt into the experience can now step into a fitting room where, using LiDAR sensors made by Intel, FitMatch will create an anonymized avatar based on the individual's body shape that it then compares with a database of so-called digital twins to find the best-fitting products for the shopper. No videos or pictures are stored, and the whole process takes less than 30 seconds from beginning to end. Joanna, my question for you is this. Where do you come down on this new concept and on fit tech more broadly? This has been a hotly debated subject in the OmniTalk household. Yes. Yeah. I So first of all, what a week for Rihanna. I need more oh, weeks right. to bookend with her. Yes. Super Bowl. 100%. Baby. Think about that. British Vogue. Now oh, we've got British this, Vogue. You know. Oh, God. Those photos. Oh, I was like, those oh photos. Yes. Mm. Okay. I know. Um, Right. So anyhow, and I will have our own podcast <laughs> yeah, on right. British Vogue and Rihanna. We can. We'll we'll hop to that next yes, on this yes. one. Me. But I am so excited to see more and more brands coming out coming out with this. I think you know not only is it from a frictionless experience and and getting the right fit for me, um, but also you know really helping with the inclusivity tenant that a lot of brands are really um, championing and, and Savage by Fenty, that's a huge, huge part of them. Yeah. So I think it makes a lot of sense. I was really fangirling and after uh, your video last year about this and was waiting for this expansion. I think we thought it was going to come last year. And so, you know, it's a, it's a few months after, but very exciting. Hopefully they can scale it quickly to the balance, uh, you know, five or six locations that they have um, along with the app, right? Because mm -hmm. that that's supposed to, to also help the consumer. Um, I think that where it gets really exciting is upstream as well. When we think about how we can pull some of this information into, you know, what's been sort of more traditional elements of the product development and fit mm -hmm. process that's really been anchored in measurements. Mm -hmm. um, and this is really talking more about the shape and the dimensionality of a of, of person and the wearability of a product. And so I think this is, you know, end customer experience. And then we're going to start to see so much happen with the ability of the data to be used upfront as we, as we develop our products better. Yes for the people who are buying them. 
Yep. All right, Ann, let's go to you next, because I think, you know, you and Joanna probably, no offense to Chad, although I think he probably agrees, you probably understand this category particularly better than he and I do. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. Men can go in there. There is a quite a lot. Oh, there's, I didn't know they sold men's products. Yeah. Okay, cool. We all go into the Savage by Fenny. I thought when we were in there, I was in there. I don't remember that, but okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, So no one is going to be shocked that I love this headline, that I love this technology. I will, I will stand behind this. I think that Number one here, I love the the variations in the technology that Joanna highlighted, that they're now fit, fit tech is now expanding into, you know, something that doesn't require any associates at all. I can opt in and go get this done. I don't have to have an associate that knows jack squat about, you know, measuring somebody for a bra and I can still leave with... <laughs> so, oh my God, Chris just made some weird gesture about jack squat. Chris Farley. Listening. Oh gosh. Okay. So anyway, I love I love that there's a variety and a, multiple ways of retailers being able to test this technology. I, I think that this, I know Chris is going to come at me about this because we've been talking about it, but I love uh-huh. this for specialty retail. I don't think it's just for bras. I think that this is a wow. major opportunity area for, we've seen it in footwear with Volumental. Wow. I think anytime that you can take, especially with the labor shortages that we have, that you can take a technology like this and supplement that for the specialty retailer um, employee is going to result in higher sales, greater customer satisfaction. And if there's a 16-year-old at Victoria's Secret that's trying to tell me how me and my 41-year-old body needs to wear lingerie or something that I put on my body every single day, I don't trust that 16-year-old. But if that 16-year-old has a 3D avatar of my body and can use that as a tool to say, I don't know, but this this is what we're both looking at collectively. Let's make a decision about it. I love it. Yeah. Wow. You just eight mile Eminem me there a little bit. I I can't wait to take my turn, but I want to see what Chad thinks here too. Is is Chad as gung ho on this as you two are? I'm curious. I, I, you know what? I am. I am. All right. right, I'll stand on that Island. Okay. Oh, I mean, I, I loved this when I first heard of it, you know, back in it's, it's beginning introduction. Loved it more when, when Ann gave it the trial in Vegas, a high marks. I love how it's getting easier. You know, for me, whether it's FitMatch specifically or other providers, I think this is game changing on the apparel industry. And I I love, I think what I love most about it is it should just get better over time, right? So this should be a self-learning system that Mm -hmm. the more scans it does, the more Mm -hmm. digital twins it can create, Mm -hmm. make better matches and just Mm -hmm. allow for more customization over time. And I agree with Anne. I mean, you know, I haven't worn a bra, but you know, when I think about other categories that, you know, where fit is tougher and really fit is about preference. So think swimwear, activewear, uh, jeans, hell jeans, right? Mm-hmm. Do I like them looser, slimmer, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. all of that should be customizable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, kind of the business model implications, like in a world where J. Crew, Zara, I mean, the list is getting longer of, of people who are starting to charge for returns, like getting mm-hmm. this first time, right? Like is, yeah. is a huge advantage. Yeah. All right. So, all right. I got to jump in here then because I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. I don't disagree with anything that you guys are saying. I think fundamentally all that value is there. But what I start to think about, and I and, and let me start over too. I, I like this move, especially for like the bra fitting, yes. like for the reasons you've said, and like that's a very intimate purchase. There's an employee that's generally involved in that. But I'm starting to wonder if this isn't similar to just walkout technology. When you look at the long-term customer, ado- customer adoption issues here, because outside of the bras and shoes use cases that we've covered extensively on this show, where there is this 
point of contact with the customer by the sales associate almost built into that process. Mm -hmm. And even those somewhat take some acclimation to this for the end consumer, I think it's going to be difficult to scale for that reason. Um, and the fact that this tech is already pivoted and savaged by Fenty in what is basically a year, mm -hmm. albeit I think for the better, I like this design better than someone mobily scanning me with the device or me having to do it myself. I think that tells me that the consumer adoption issues here are potentially real. And for that reason, if I'm a specialty retailer mm -hmm. where that, that customer touch point isn't necessarily a required part of my process or a department store, a Walmart, or even a Target, any of those stores that are struggling with staffing right now, I wouldn't be touching this because it's only mm -hmm. going to create headaches for them. And I wouldn't put any more money towards it at all in 2023. I'd be looking at other things because I think there's more here at play. Yes, the use cases and the value are there, just like they are with Just Walkout Technology. But I think we've got to still figure out how to crack the code on that. That's what I would say. Mm, I think the customer adoption, I think that you you pose a good point, but it's not eliminating the op, the options in Savage by Fendi. They're not doing away with handheld, like with associate led too. I think if I know for sure that when I walk in, I have a guaranteed fit that I think that that is worth giving me, you know, me opting in or walking into that fitting room in this case, but we can. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great debate. It's we'll a great debate discussion. to see where it goes. All right, let's. But we, but we all agree Rihanna had a great week. So uh, there we yes, go. That's, yes, that's go where, Rihanna. That's Rihanna won Rihanna. the week. Rihanna won. <laughs> and Winning. the show already. Yes. Okay, let's let's bring it on home to headline number five. Wegmans, after halting Scan and Go last year, is now trialing smart carts. According to Winsight Grocery Business, two Wegmans food market stores are testing a clip-on device that turns a standard grocery shopping cart into a multifunctioning smart cart. The chain is piloting Shop Dash E, a frictionless checkout device from Tel Aviv Israel based startup Shopik in supermarkets in Amherst, New York, and in the Rochester suburb of Pittsburgh. Here's how it works. So uh, it's, it's a device that clips directly onto the front of the cart. You pull it off the wall, you clip it onto the cart, and the clip-on touchscreen device employs a computer vision algorithm that identifies items placed in the cart in real time while also displaying a running total of their purchases as well as product promotions and discounts on related products. Finally, the system also allows customers to pay for their groceries without having to stand in line to pay. Shoppers simply remove the device when they're done and they right. roll the, put it on the back on the wall and then roll the cart back out to the parking lot. Simple as that, Chad, yeah, right? They will. Uh, what do you think? Let's go to you on this one. Um, you know, I guess my one word reaction to the headline in a way was like, was relief, right? Really? Well, it, it's, so? it's, it's been a little bit since Wegmans told us they were pulling the plug on scan and go. And yeah. I was of two minds on that initially when that happened, it was like, really? Like you're bailing on kind of frictionless checkout, like Wegmans, beloved Wegmans, like saying, isn't, isn't for us. Uh, customers were ticked. Like it didn't look good on them. Uh, but at the same time, it's not like scan and go is at the forefront of where the industry was. Um, so I don't know. It's a relief to see they've had at least one thing cooking in the background to reassess how they want to go about this. Um, listen, the cart may not be the ultimate answer either. Right. I, I don't know. It's still a pilot. And I, I think that's where we need to check ourselves sometimes from, you know, the sidelines, like a right. pilot is not a, a pilot, commitment right. to move forward. Right. It's not even a planned precursor to, right. to scaling a hundred percent of the time. It's just very public. So I guess what gives me hope and, and relief is that Wegmans is trying different things. Uh, they're learning. Uh, I believe they're really looking at the data to make informed decisions about, you know, the customer experience, the financial implications. 
you know, they had quoted uh, shrink and theft as the mechanism to get away from, from scan and go, you know, how does that fix across the cashier labor equation? You know, the operational considerations. I just, I think it's, I think it's a good sign that they're looking to do something. It's not going to be antiquated in six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. All right. Uh, Joanna, what are your thoughts? I have a similar reaction to, to Chad in like the, the reaction to the shrink portion. They said, I mean, it was only five or six months ago, right? And they said, you know, shrink is the leading cause. Mm-hmm. And we've learned a lot. I'm really curious what exactly they learned in this, you know, relatively short horizon that right. informed this decision and what measures they've taken either through improved technology or other elements in the store to to counter that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you all talked about the food seller uh, a few yeah few weeks ago, right? And some of the challenges, you know, there was the scalability given their footprint. Wegmans is a totally different scale story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's hopeful. It is a pilot, but I'm I'm really curious how they're addressing the shrink issue that led them to shut down right. something 100%. and, and you know, how that can, you know, those learnings could be shared or this pilot may not go anywhere beyond the couple locations. Yeah, I know Chris agrees yeah. with you. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of going going even stronger on this. Like, I, I think this is a silly move. Like, I think it's funny that they put PR behind this. I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, you still have all the same issues with scan and go that you're going to have with this card as well, at least from what my reading of it. Like, I don't think they've solved any of those. And then the other point, I come back to customer adoption again. Mm-hmm. The usage rate is going to be low. Customers understand scan and go far more than they understand how to use a smart card. Like we've been scanning QR codes at restaurants for the right. past three years. But if people have trouble understanding how to insert their credit card and walk out with a bottle of water at an airport, as which as which we've seen yes. firsthand, right. what makes Wegmans think that, they're, that people are going to understand how to place items in a cart, have them read a camera, then just leave the store, put the, put the device back on the shelf as they're yeah. leaving the store? There's so many issues with that from a customer adoption standpoint that... I think the chances are slim that this works. So my prediction is, like we heard about with uh, in the story last week that you mentioned, Joanna, with Food Seller, the piloted caper cart. I think we're going to hear about this and we probably never hear about it again, quite honestly. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that's been said 100%. The last thing I'm going to throw in here is the mom and me is maybe saying this. Where the hell are the kids supposed to go? Why know, can't we right. put this on the other end of the cart? Like, it doesn't it still function that way? Because like, it's not the media opportunity because you can't see it and that's exactly why but you're right that's better for the kids anyway like where what are you going to do with the kids i don't i don't like it i'm sorry i had the same question and yeah like yeah no or your coffee or whatever anyway okay uh, we gotta we gotta bring this on down because i wish we didn't though because i'm having fun i know i know a great show a lot of fun topics all right Let's get to the lightning round. First question, Joanna, goes to you. A new oh. tic- a new TikTok trend called de-influencing is going on right now where influencers talk about products that their followers should not be buying. Uh, what is one product that you purchased recently that you think was overhyped or is not worth purchasing? Oh, that's a tough one. Admitting all of my bad purchasing decisions so publicly. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if I can pick a single uh, item or okay. brand, but what I can say is anything in the the beauty, skincare, cosmetic realm is yeah. always a touchy one for mm-hmm. me because there are there's a lot of hype and a lot of promises, and at the end of the day, I still wake up looking the same way. Right. So I do yeah. find, um, you know, sometimes some of the yes. hype can can get in the way of really great formulations that are out there. But I'm going to pick totally, just that that sector. I totally to, agree to with Joanna. 
Il Maquillage is my latest one that yeah. I was like sold because the um, woman on the office, she's like the the influencer that puts it on. I was like, oh my God, I got to yeah, order yeah, this. Yeah. And I am not, not, happy. not loving it, wow. but I totally uh, agree. Seems like the beauty industry is fueling this whole de-influencing trend. My favorite line possibly in the history of the show is I still wake up looking the same way. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a great line. Oh my God. I'm going to yeah, their face looks that the one. same. Yeah. Il Maquillage, yeah. their, their product is called I Woke Up Like This. And I was like, oh I'm, I'm not feeling any different waking up i'm i'm gonna be honest all right chad let's keep rolling a journalist for npr had this to say about a grocery store this week quote think about it your grocery store is a place made up of fresh fruit birthday balloons skittles live <laughs> lobsters flower arrangements and hot and ready I feel like fried this is chicken. step on on weekend it's kind of the perfect place for a date end quote i don't know why skittles got thrown in there but yeah. chad if you could take your significant other down one aisle at the grocery store for a date which aisle would it be Oh God. All right. This is, this is kind of sad. Um, but, but happy. So, uh, you know, my, my kids are, are getting a little bit older. Uh, and so we're finding ourselves with like random unexpected Friday or Saturday nights where, where my wife and I actually get to hang out now. Um, so we had one, the, uh, a couple of weekends ago where we dropped, uh, we dropped our kids off and, um, we're like, Hey, let's watch a movie. So we, we stopped at our, our local grocery store, did walk the aisles, bought a combination of uh, fried chicken and sushi, uh, brought that back to the house and tried to watch uh, everything everywhere all at once until realizing the beginning of it was dubbed and we couldn't like read while we were eating. So we scrapped the whole thing and watched a different movie. Uh, but there we go, real life tales inside the Lusker's house. All right, oh the Lusker. God. All right, uh, Chad, Apple Maps got a new update and some say that it may now even be better than rival Google Maps. Chad, who do you trust to get you from point A to point B? Uh, well, in the Apple versus Google Maps debate, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Google Maps guy, uh, right. if not ways first. But yes. who do I want to take me from point A to point B? I guess it kind of depends. So uh, if if I'm in a rush or want a thrill, it's it's the it's the dude who drives in baby driver. Uh, oh or, yeah. Uh, or if I just want like, if I want just a sweet melodic soothing sounds of uh, Morgan Freeman's voice, I'd pick him from Driving Miss okay. Daisy. Right. Oh god. The accompany you. You went with accompanying you on point A to point B. I love that. All right. Last one, Joanna, Coca-Cola recently released Coca-Cola Move, something that is that it is hailing as transformation flavored. What is the most transformational food or drink you have ever imbibed? Okay, so we've got to address the name. It's the elephant in the room. It's It definitely sounds like it's promoting some type of, of situation in my body. And so... I feel like that could be transformative, transformative, but you know, remains Hope to be X-Lax. seen. Uh, exactly, Miralax. We could the list goes on. Yeah, Taco Bell. Uh, right, Taco Bell. Um, but anyhow, we. Um, I don't know what the most transformative. I mean, I want to be plain and ordinary and say water, hydrate. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps us up. Happy birthday today to the weekend, Elizabeth Olsen, and you cannot be serious, Anne. John McEnroe. You cannot do that again to everybody's ears. <laughs> oh, and remember, Woof. remember, I'm going to bring it down a notch. Thank you. If you can only read or listen to one Thank retail blog so in the business, better. make it Omni Talk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day 
and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And we try really hard to make it all fit within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And Chad, Joanna, if people want to get in touch with you, either one of you, learn more about AM, get your help, what's the best way for them to do that? So you can always learn more about AM CRG at our website, Alvarez and Marsal CRG.com. Uh, you can visit us on our uh, LinkedIn page uh, or reach out to Joanna and I directly on, on LinkedIn. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Yep. Great. Thank thanks you. for being here. Yes. Thanks yes. to Joanna and Chad for sitting in with us today on behalf of them and all of us here at OmniTalk. As always, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption and Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. You can find out more at firework.com. And Trigo. Trigo technology powers grocery stores with market-leading frictionless checkout and digitized operations. To learn more, visit trigoretail.com. And Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com. And finally, Silk. The Silk Cloud DB virtualization platform is a virtualization layer between your workloads and the cloud. It helps you scale your cloud without scaling your costs. Visit Silk.us to learn more. Oh,